All right, so here we are. We've made it. We're at the end of the series, I Love My Church. Woo! Right? I didn't mean it that way. I mean, are you happy it's over? What? <laughs> We're rejoicing. It's done. <laughs> so, so we are at the end of, of this series, I Love My Church, where we've been focused on prayers, what, what it means to support the church, our prayers, our presence, our gifts that I've used a few times. It's First Peter 3.15. <clears throat> but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. We have such a hope in Christ that, that should permeate our lives that when, when we get the opportunity to share that, it flows through us. We don't want to be overbearing. We want to do that with gentleness and respect. And another passage is out of Corinthians. It's out of um, 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let me say that again. We are Christ's ambassadors, as if he were making his appeal through us. He's making his appeal to the world through who? Us. Specifically? Me. That's who God is using is using you, and he's using me in a powerful way. It, it, it's important that we kind of, that, that's got some gravitas to it when we start to think about that. We are Christ's ambassador. We are the ones. We are the ones that he is speaking through, making his appeal to the people in our community, making his appeal to the people at your workplace, making his appeal to the people in this church on any given moment, in any given day. It's you today and me today. That should give us a little, hmm, a little pause. And just think about, okay, how am I making that appeal when people look at my life? Is it a, an appeal that will draw people to God? When I'm at work, do I present Christ? I'm his ambassador. He's making his appeal. Is it an appeal that's going to draw people to him? So it impacts everything from how we are to how we talk to how we live to the things we do at school, work, at play, at the grocery store, even on the freeway when, you know, we're going 90 miles an hour and somebody cuts in front of you and we're make, that's, he's going to make that appeal. I know you do. Through, through us, through you and through me. And if we call ourselves followers of Jesus the Christ, and he is making this appeal through us, through you, and through me. Then what we do, how we act, matters a lot. It matters a lot. The word for witness in the New Testament is, somebody read that for me? Oh. <laughs> is martis. <clears throat> 29 times it's translated as witnesses or as witness, including the two verses that I quoted above. Two times it's translated as record. Uh, those are in Philemon 1.8, for God is my record, and 2 Corinthians 1.23, I call on God for a record. Three times it's translated as what you would probably think it should be translated as, which is martyr. 
That's twice in John's Revelation, the last book in the Bible. It's not Revelations, it's John's Revelation. Uh, and the other is a reference to Stephen's martyrdom. Witness, the word that we're going to grab hold of today. The meaning in Scripture primarily has to do, those 29 times, with being a legal witness. Matthew 18, 15 through 16, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Hopefully that takes care of it. They listen to you, you've won them over. But if they don't listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three martyrs, witnesses. But what do witnesses do? Witnesses is from actually a legal presentation slide. Witnesses testify to what they have seen or experienced or heard. And what that means is that our witness is driven by the experience of God. Our witness of God to others is driven by our experience of God, the witness of God in our lives. It's not about us sharing us. It's about us sharing God in us, God working through us. That's what it's about. It, this example, witnesses must have directly seen, heard, or experienced something to testify about it. Hard to testify about Jesus if you don't have a relationship with him, right? So if we have a relationship with him, then there should be an impact in our lives because when you encounter the living God, what happens? You change. You cannot help but be changed by that encounter. So God in us gives us an experience, and that experience is something that then we can share with others. That's what witness is. Sometimes we think, well, i got to tell all about what I know about whatever. You know, I'm going to tell people about God. Share your witness. What have you experienced? What have you seen? What have you heard? You don't have to beat people up. And it's not a, a huge theological thing. It's about sharing what God is doing in your life. That's what being a witness is all about. The objectionable one here is that general, well, I, you know, everyone's been talking about how the driver, that's not a witness. That's not a witness. That's a hearsay. We don't want to be hearsay Christians, amen? Well, I heard about Jesus. <laughs> we want to be the other one, right? I saw Jesus. I experienced him. He's in my heart and my life, and my life is not the same because I have encountered the living God, and everything's different, Sean. Amen? It's the way it works. And that gives us our witness. It's not about sharing us. It's about sharing him in us and through us and what we have learned, heard, seen, and experienced. And it's not complex. We are witness to the work he is doing in the world because of the work he is doing in us. We are witness to the work he is doing in the world because of the work he's doing in us. And that very work becomes the witness that we are asked to share. It's that work that he's doing in us that gives us our witness that we share with others. And sharing our faith is critical to pretty much everything that we're trying to be. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power. Oh, there it is. That's what it just said. Acts <laughs> 1 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What he's saying is that when the Holy Spirit comes, when you receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses where? For us? In, yeah, in Hushton, Brazelton, Jefferson, Lawrenceville, Flowery Branch. Call out where you live. Maysville. Houston, yeah, that's where you are. That's where you're going to be a witness. And then it goes further, though, because sometimes we travel, right? So we might even be a witness in Atlanta and, and then into, in further at Georgia. And sometimes, anybody been out of Georgia? <laughs> you're a witness in the United States. Anybody ever been out of the country? 
We're a witness to the ends of the earth. We're a witness everywhere that we go because God is in us. And where we go, God is. Now, God is everywhere anywhere. Don't take that and run with it. <laughs> where we go, God is. But he's working through you and through me to, to, to get this witness into the world. Acts twenty two fifteen. For you will be a witness for him to everyone. To everyone of what you have seen and heard. To everyone. You know what that means? It means all people. All means, that's the last I checked, that's true. All means all to all people. What have we witnessed so that we might be a witness? What have you witnessed in your life? Where has God shown up? Those are the things to be focusing on. Where is it that God has shown up in my life? Because those are the things that I need to be willing and ready to share. Jesus appeared to the disciples, and it's in Luke 24, after he appeared to Cleopas and his friends, some of you might have heard the story in, in, this, in this chapter about the road to Emmaus. Anybody heard that story? You folks? Yeah. Yeah, if you folks have been to Emmaus, I encourage you to go to Emmaus if you get half a chance because you, know, you will encounter God in all likelihood if you show up. Um, this is right after that when Jesus is talking to the disciples. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So he's promising them what was the day of Pentecost, is what he was promising. And after Pentecost, Acts 2, 29, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Jesus is a descendant of David. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. We are all witnesses of it. Every Christian is a witness of what Christ has done. We may not have been there to see his physical resurrection, but we have experienced the Holy Spirit in a way that gives us witness. Now, I'm going to go through just a couple of passages here that talk about this, we are, this idea that we're witnesses. Acts 2, 32, this Jesus has God raised up whereof we all are witnesses. Acts 3, 15, and they killed the prince of life whom God had raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses witnesses. Acts 5.32, and we are witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God has given to those that obey him. Acts 10.39, we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hanged on a tree because Christ hung on a cross which was a tree and everything on, on a, that, that was hanged on a tree was cursed and, and Jesus broke the curse. Acts 10.41, not to all the people but unto the witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the 
the dead, Acts 13, 31. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. We are his witnesses unto the people. Acts 22, 15. We're supposed to be witnesses. Every Christian a witness. For thou shalt be his witness unto... Where did they come from? Thou shalt be his witness unto all men and women of what thou hast seen and heard. A little King James for you. Acts 22:15, Acts 26:16. Paul on the road to Damascus. He was persecuting the Christians. He was after him. He was he was with, at Stephen's martyrdom. Paul, persecutor, on the way to Damascus, gets struck blind, and then he asks, "Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, who you are persecuting." Now get up, stand on your feet. Now get up and stand on your feet. Any of y'all need to get up and stand on your feet and be a witness? It's time, guys. Get up. This is what he told the Paul. Get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people, from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We are ambassadors. We are the ones through whom God is making his appeal. If we're not making the appeal, you know what? The appeal is not happening. It's us. It's you. It's me. And it's not a guilt trip. This is a reality for us. God is speaking through us or not. It's up to us. How are we doing it? Are we living it? Is that appeal happening? What am I driving at, right? Let me go backward to get there. See, we started this series or this year with a series called One, Real Life, Real People, Real Church, right? Those of you who were here will remember that. It was a focus on how we might possibly, somehow, perhaps, some way, achieve the goal of becoming one as the Father and Son are one. Because that's what Jesus lays out, right? John 17, 20. I do not pray for these. Jesus is praying, by the way. He's praying for you right now. You know the disciples that he was praying for then? You know who those disciples are today? You can say it. Yeah, it's us. More specifically, me. Yeah, let's make this real personal this morning. How about that? You know, Jesus praying for you this morning, praying for me this morning. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. I need you. Do <laughs> not pray for these alone, but for also for those who will believe in me through their word. Right? That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. If we achieve this goal of being one as the Father and the Son are one, guess what? The world will believe that, that Jesus was sent by the Father. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Love them as you have loved me. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. Do you all know 317 yet? He did not come to, he did not send him into the world to condemn the world but that through him the world might be saved. God wants to, is about salvation, not condemnation. It's a message we all need to hear every day, I think. You know, okay, I need to hear every day. Because I got a condemnation voice, and I need that thing to go away. God is not about that. God's about salvation. God's about saving me. 
That's who God is. You have loved them as you have loved me. See, we were weaving a tapestry, if you remember that analogy, bringing together the realization that we need God. That was where we started, was we can't do it without God. So we started there. It's like, okay, we need God. And then the second step was that he is actively seeking us, that he's still actively seeking us. And then we looked at, at our children and youth, right, because we want to raise our kids up in the way that they should go so that when they are older, they will not depart from it. You know, so we looked at how this impacts our children and youth, raising them up so that they too could be one as the Father and Son are one. And we close by saying that we don't have to get better and come because God will meet us where we are. He won't leave us there, right? Because when you encounter the living God, you're going to be changed. But he'll meet you exactly where you are because you don't have to get better and come to church. Too many, that's a message that needs to be turned upside down out there because there's too many people in the community who say, well, if I can just get this right or just get that right, just get that right, just, then I'll go to church. Come. Get them here, right? Yeah, got it. I see some empty seats. We got room. So, you know, bring them on in. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter what they're going through. They are welcome in this place. That was our, that was, so we're weaving this tapestry that, because we are God's workmanship. We are God's masterpiece. I love that. We are God's masterpiece. And he loves us with an everlasting love. And we follow that up with a series on, from the circle maker, the legend of Honey. You remember Honey, the one who drew the circle? And he stayed in that circle because, you know, it needed to rain. And he said, I, I'm going to stay in this circle until it rains. And he prayed. And it, started to, and it started to rain a little bit. And he said, not for this kind of rain. I want rain. And you know what it did? It rained. And he got to get out of the circle. But, <laughs> but he, you know, prayer is so powerful for us. We, we focus on that around here a lot because of that. It's in almost every series that I've done because prayer is powerful. And then we talked about dreaming big and the Moses. I, I, I don't, there's a quail back there in the back. If you want to see, we had quail everywhere, right? Because we wanted to dream big. The, the Israelites were, were out in the wilderness, and they're complaining because they were tired of eating manna, that stuff, the manna, that stuff that was provided that tasted like cinnamon, you know. <laughs> they got tired of that, and they wanted some meat. So God sent a million-plus quail in, and they ate meat. It's a miracle. Dream big. We want to dream big, and we want to pray hard and, and be persistent. We talked about the persistent widow, right, the one that was going to the judge. But we want to pray hard and be persistent and think long, long-term. God is a God of the long-term. He sees beyond what we see. So don't give up. Sometimes we've got to pray 10, 15, 20 years to see come to fruition those things, sometimes longer, sometimes not in our lifetime, but to think long and to trust God in the midst of that. And we follow that with return to me with all your heart, our Lenten series. Return to me with all your heart. Seeking to be one as the Father and Son are one, and we need to return to him. We've engaged with him. We've acknowledged we need him. We go to him in prayer. Now we want to return to him because his love is generous. Walk by faith in repentance, coming together. And God is always making a new thing. You are a new creation in Christ. And then was rooted, which gives us some essentials to the journey, to this you know, continual pursuit. And again, prayer was there with Bible study, devotion, and small groups coming together. And we've been on this journey. And then we did at the movies, which didn't have anything to do with anything. <laughs> but was fun. <laughs> I didn't see anything in there. There probably is. You know, but <laughs> and now we've looked at I Love My Church with an emphasis on how our commitment 
might actually play out in our lives when we support the church with our prayers, our presence, our gift, our service, and our witness. Every element throughout this year, really, has come down to one thing, really. It's about relationship. God wants a relationship with you desperately. He offers it freely. There's a gift on the table with your name on it. He will never force you to come and get it, but it's yours. And if you come and get it and pick it up, you get to keep it. The gift of hope, the gift of eternal life. It's who God is because he loves you so much. And he came into this world not to condemn it, but to save. Relationships, if you think about them, they're always in process. And, and in our Christian walk, we're always in process. We're always learning. None of these elements, prayer, presence, gifts, service, or witness, is ultimately about the outcome alone. But it's about the process of growth in that that leads us to the place God would have us. It's God's outcome. When we're right with God, we're more concerned with his outcome than with ours. And that growth leads us to an incredible, powerful, and intimate relationship with our God. Now, at first, we often think, you know, oh, no, I got to do all those things. I got to pray. I got to give. I got to, you know, I got to, oh, that's way more than I want to do. But when we start to see this in a new light, it becomes, I get to do all these things. I get to pray. Think about this. I get to pray to the creator of everything. It's crazy, right? You know, why would he care about little old me? You know, he gave me these gifts. I get to use them for his glory. I have experienced God. I get to share that as a witness of what I have seen, heard, and experienced to others. I get to be present and have the presence of God with me everywhere that I go and carry that into relationships, into every place. I get to do those things. And when we commit to do these things, to support our church with our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, we are well on our way to becoming one as the Father and Son are one. We need to become a praying people like the Circle Maker series focused on. We need to focus on returning God to God with all our hearts. What does that look like in my life? What am I withholding from Him? Because we're all withholding something. I mean, we're human. We're all withholding something. What am I withholding from Him? Am I going to embrace those tenets of prayer, presence, gift, and service so that I can gain this witness that we're talking about? If I embrace praying, if I embrace presence, gifts, the gifts I have, the gifts that God has given to me, serving others, my witness will develop, and then all i got to do is share what he's given me. I get to share what he's doing in me, and that can reach into lives. It's not complicated, I think I said that, but we tend to make things complicated. That takes us off target, because if I complicate it and I start to make it about something other than God, I'm making it more likely about me. I'm going to share me, and I'm going to tell you about me. My testimony is about me. How about if I share what God is doing in me? What if I change that just a little bit? What, instead of what I'm doing, what God is doing through me. It's just a slight change, but it's a huge change because now it's no longer about me. It's about my experience of God. And that's where we want to be. We want to be in that place. There's a song, and we're going to sing this here in a little bit. It's called Nobody. And it says, because I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Amen. 
I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave me a heart to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. That's one of my goals. I want to live in such a way that the world sees Jesus. And this happens, this can only happen when we let God have us. We've got to let God have us. And that ain't easy to do. But when we do that, then we let God give us our witness. God will give you the witness that he's asking for. He gives it to you. He's gonna, you're going to experience things. You're going to see things. And you're going to hear things that will give you that witness that we're talking about. I want to revisit this as we get ready to close. Our witness, then, is driven by the experience of God. The witness of what God is doing in our lives. It's not about sharing us. It's about sharing him in us, right? And we are witness to the work he is doing in the world because of the work that he's doing in us. And that then becomes the very witness that we're asked to be or to share with the world. That witness is what we're after. And here's the thing. If you don't have that witness yet, if you're going, I don't see it, then I'm going to be up here and I would love to pray with you. If you're going, I 